Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm talking about a topic that we often don't talk about, which is what to do when my husband or partner doesn't want to have sex with me anymore. Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode. You know, there's something that I've been hearing about more and more often in my office, which is something that is very rarely talked about. And that is what to do when my husband or partner does not want to have sex with me. And this is so culturally a 180 from what we're taught is supposed to happen. You know, the cliche is that the man wants to have sex more than the woman, but that's not always true. And it can be really difficult when we're our age, say 45 to 55, menopausal women, and our spouse or partner stops wanting to have sex with us. It's probably one of the most difficult situations to be in in a relationship because it's so personal. Whenever that sexual connection is broken or lost, the first thing that we do is think that there's something wrong with me. And that's just a natural reaction. If my spouse or partner seems to stop being sexually interested in me, the first thing I'm going to think is I'm not attractive. There's something wrong with me. He's having an affair. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too old. All of those things. And what I want to explain is that it's not about you. When a man doesn't want to have sex with you, it's almost always something about him. And I'm always reminded of one of my favorite authors, Byron Katie, some of you might have read her work, that just reminds us to not believe our thoughts. So Byron Katie is an amazing author, and whenever it comes to something, well, anything in life really, but certainly anything that's a struggle where we're telling ourselves stories like, I'm not enough, he's having an affair, it must be me, et cetera, et cetera. Those stories that run in our head, she reminds us not to believe our thoughts. It's not personal. It's not personal. And it's almost always something to do with the other person. So in that respect, let's talk about what some of the reasons are why your spouse or partner might have lost sexual interest in the relationship. Um, I was careful not to say in you because it's not personal. And again, I'm talking about in this context, heterosexual relationships. So that doesn't mean that this doesn't happen in other relationships, but I'm specifically talking today about heterosexual relationships, specifically at this 
time of life. So it's often, but not always, a time when we've been in the same relationship for a long time. It could also be a new relationship, but very frequently at our age, we've been in the relationship for a long time, and that adds certain reasons why sex can become boring or something that he's just not interested anymore. But let me go through some of the top reasons why your spouse might not be interested in sex so that you can be really comfortable about the fact that there's nothing wrong with you. This has nothing to do with you. This is all about him and how we can mend that situation so that you can have a healthy, intimate relationship again because in my opinion, that is so important. And it's so hard to talk about just because it's so very highly triggered with those emotional reactions that we all have about not being good enough and all of those deep fears we have about not being attractive or all of the things that I just mentioned. It's such a highly triggered subject that it's really hard to talk about. So let's just say, make up a scenario, you're in a long-term marriage or committed partnership and your partner seems to not be interested in you sexually. Maybe you haven't had sex for months. I've had patients who haven't had sex for years. You might be even sleeping in separate bedrooms or he's just going to bed and turning his back on you and there's no conversation. Maybe you've even tried to initiate and he said no. This can get to be a really unbearable situation and it certainly leads to the demise of many relationships. But I'm really hoping that with a little bit of information, sometimes the relationship does need to end, but not always. We always hope we can mend relationships rather than end them. That's the first goal. So it almost goes without saying that the number one reason that this situation happens is if we're having relationship issues. And interestingly, the three things that we usually argue about that gets us into these relationship issues are issues to do with finances, kids, and sex. So it can be a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we're unhappy with our sex life and our partner doesn't wanna have sex, it's almost a fire that feeds itself. So in that situation, if it's mendable, obviously seek professional help. Relationship counseling, it may be the only thing that you need to do to get things back on track. Try talking about it. There are lots of books out there to help, but if the relationship's not connected, probably neither one of you want to have sex. So we'll just put that as number one and then move on to some of the less obvious reasons that he might not want to have sex. Another one is just stress and exhaustion. So if you're in your 50s, a man or a woman, and you have a job, not unlikely that at around age 50 to 60, it's going to be really stressful. You're reaching the pinnacle of your career, which generally doesn't mean that you're working fewer hours. You're usually developing more stress, more responsibility, and stress makes you exhausted. It raises cortisol levels. Just like us, when men are under incredible stress, they just want to go to sleep. Their minds are occupied with other things and sex is not something that's gonna necessarily cross their mind. They're preoccupied with the stress and the pressure of their work. And if you're able to discuss that and talk about it, it might not be possible for him to change his job, but certainly everybody can employ techniques to lower their stress. And sometimes just talking about it gives the outlet just to allow the pressure valve to be released from that stress so that he feels understood 
And then that can lead to some intimacy that will hopefully lead to that desire to reconnect. Around this time in life, also a lot of men and women are developing health issues that can affect their sexual function. So for men in particular, things like high blood pressure and diabetes, which are two very common diseases, can affect blood flow to the penis. And of course, erections in men are directly related to blood flow. So if a guy has those diseases, if he's overweight, has high blood pressure, his lipid panel's out of whack, uh, if he's got diabetes or high blood sugar, he's very likely going to have erectile dysfunction. And so those diseases can lead to issues with sexual performance. And talking about erectile dysfunction is really difficult. Not so much for us, but for men. You know, I'm making a huge generalization, but I think it's fair to say that for the majority of men, the ability to perform sexually is a huge part of their identity. So if they have an illness that's preventing them from being able to do that, or they're afraid that if they start the sexual encounter and they're not gonna be able to keep an erection or reach orgasm or perform the way that they used to, that can be an incredible source of shame. And so they're not going to walk into that. They're going to avoid it. Again, I'm making a generalization, but if your husband or partner has those illnesses, again, seek the help of a physician. There are great medications to treat erectile dysfunction. And of course, we want to treat the underlying disease as well. But just to destigmatize that because it's so common. I think we should be talking about erectile dysfunction just like going to the bathroom or eating dinner. It's a thing that happens. It's a normal human experience. It should not be stigmatized as something that means failure. But for many men, again, I'm making a generalization, particularly men of the generation that we are in in our 50s, being able to perform sexually was so much a part of their identity that it can be absolutely horrifying to think that they're not going to be able to do that. And so, of course, if I were walking into a situation where I could be facing one of my biggest fears or biggest points of shame, I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> and naturally, without some light shed on the situation, most men would do the same thing. So I've mentioned before, I love Brene Brown. She's a famous Houston-based author who really talked a lot about shame. And one of the very simple statements that has always stuck with me is that shame cannot exist in the light. So when we've got a situation that is potentially very shameful, like erectile dysfunction, when we talk about it, it loses its power. Shame can only exist in the dark. So once we start talking about it, it loses its power. And it is a very sensitive conversation. Depending on the level of communication that you feel comfortable with, it might be something that's best raised in the uh, situation of having an independent person there, like a urologist or a sex therapist or psychologist, just so that it doesn't turn into a tense argument. But if that is happening, it really deserves some compassion. And I've talked about erectile dysfunction here before. It's a situation where rather than being angry at him for not giving you what you need, it does give us the opportunity to give him compassion for this very difficult issue that can provide a lot of shame and then just release him from that blanket of fear that something terrible is going to happen. It, it can really bring relationships closer together if we can just 
talk about it. And it's a very difficult conversation. Again, you might not be comfortable having it by yourself, but keep in mind if that is the issue, there are not many men that are going to be willing to just stand up and talk about it. But treatments are available. Of course, we want to treat the underlying disease and then we can free him from that fear, which is really crippling. Another really common cause is depression. And not only depression itself, which causes us to lose interest in a lot of things that we enjoy, including sex. For men and women, when we have depression, it's incredibly common to lose our sex drive. But then on top of that, the common antidepressants, especially those that are called SSRIs, or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Those are common things like Lexapro, Prozac. Many of the common antidepressants that we're given have an effect that causes us to have a really hard time having an orgasm. So for men, they can cause erectile dysfunction or just a general disinterest in sex on top of depression. So if either one of us has depression, that's certainly gonna affect our sex drive. And then the medications make it worse. And interestingly, medications that treat some of the other diseases that we talked about, like diabetes, high blood pressure, also can make it worse. So sometimes it's the underlying illness, and sometimes it's the medication that we're given that makes it worse. And again, none of this has anything to do with you. Again, it all is his problem, not your fault, but it's important to try to understand. And then in long-term relationships, there is just an issue with boredom and perhaps separate interests when it comes to sex. Many of us in my age group, I, I did not grow up talking freely about sex, and many of my patients tell me the same thing. These days, teenagers talk about sex like it's, you know, what's for breakfast. It's very easy to talk about now in younger generations. But for example, if we had a particular sexual fantasy or even a fetish or some kind of a kinky desire, it's unlikely to be something that we will talk about unless we've got a very intimately connected relationship. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's something to share. Sometimes we can have a lot of shame around our fantasies because they might represent things that we truly don't believe are good or right. Uh, for example, I've talked to a lot of women who have sexual fantasies about being restrained or being overcome during sex. And that can feel very shameful because of course rape is a terrible, awful, violent activity. But having fantasies about being overpowered is very healthy, especially if you're someone who has a lot of control or power in your work life or home life, those type of fantasies can be an outlet for, for that very healthy desire. Now, we're not going to act them out in real life, uh, nor are we probably going to act out having a threesome or other things that are very commonly in people's fantasy world, but the fantasies themselves are very healthy. And if we can talk about them, it can relieve boredom. So many couples, for example, just, you're not going to have a threesome. Maybe you are, okay, but I'm probably not. But maybe we have a fantasy about having a threesome and just talking about it. Uh, you, you can have an intimate experience with your partner and nobody else in the room and talk about having a threesome. And it just brings some excitement into the environment. If, if the relationship's got a little bit of 
staleness to it or boredom. When we do the same things over and over again, many of us have a routine where our sex is pretty much the same each time. You know, we do this, we do that, we do this, it's always the same. We have to mix it up. And if we can talk to each other honestly about what our imagination finds exciting, like what images really turn you on? Like if you were to look in a magazine or at some porn, which I look at very carefully, and I'll talk to you about that, what images turn you on and how can you bring that into the bedroom in a safe, very safe way? You don't have to actually act it out, but give permission for those thoughts to be there so that maybe you can dress up, maybe you can role play, do some things that are fun to take the boredom out of the situation and to allow him or perhaps you if you've lost interest in sex, but this talk is about when he's lost interest in sex, Find out what it is that he fantasizes about and see if you can bring that into the relationship in a way that you feel comfortable with. Maybe he likes the leather girdle. <laughs> Maybe he wants you to dress like a French housekeeper. Who knows? It's okay to do that. And we might have been trained not to, but letting ourselves out of boredom and exploring some fun ways to make sex different might be what he needs to be re-engaged with the sexual process because it can get a bit boring for, for both of us. And certainly men are no different in that respect. Now, another reason why he might not want to have sex with you is that he's getting it somewhere else. And I know that is probably the first thing that we jump to, but in my experience, that's not commonly the reason. Uh, it might be the reason, but it's not commonly the reason. So that wouldn't be the first thing that I would jump to. But once you've had a conversation, it would be reasonable to ask some questions about that. Now, he may not be having an affair, but uh, these days a lot of men get sexual pleasure through pornography or masturbation, and they may not feel as willing to connect with a real human being because it's a lot easier to connect with a video screen or with yourself because it doesn't require that level of vulnerability and intimacy. And so if he's experiencing, for example, boredom with a relationship or just fear of not being able to perform sexually because he's got some erectile dysfunction or fear of not being able to please you, he may be getting an outlet through pornography, masturbation, or even through another partner. But it's worth investigating, but don't jump to that as the first guess because that's not usually the case in my experience. And on this list, maybe the last thing that is very, very common is to understand that the cultural conditioning that men in this country were given when they were young and growing up definitely has affected their brains in such a way that they may prefer sexually younger women. And I don't want to say that in any way that seems sexist. It's just factual. And in some ways, it's not their fault because it is cultural conditioning. But if you are feeling like you're no longer attractive to your spouse or partner who may be around the same age, it is possible that they have been affected by cultural conditioning such that they find younger women more attractive. And I am not saying that is right or condoning it, but I think it's important to name because it happens. 
It's not fair, it's not right, but it does happen. Certain men, and especially in certain cultures, they have been indoctrinated since they were young that there's a certain age of women that are sexy and there's a certain age of women that are not. And if that's the case, that might be a difficult one to break through without some very good counseling because as we get older, we hope that we grow old together and that we love each other until the day we die. But unfortunately, in the culture that we live in, certain men, and especially in certain cultures, have been brought up believing that younger women are sexier than older women. And it's a sad fact that in some relationships as we get older, the male partner will become no longer attracted to us, not because we're not attractive. Again, it is not your fault. You're beautiful as you are and growing older gracefully is a wonderful thing. But some men have been conditioned not to see that. And so it is a bit of a cliche that many marriages end with the husband finding a younger woman. And that's a very sad fact. And I hope that this uh, generation that we're raising now isn't fed that kind of BS so that that doesn't happen as often. But if you feel that your husband is not attracted to you anymore or partner because you're getting older, it's not your fault. It might be true, but it's certainly not your fault. So going back to just, I constantly remember the work of Byron Katie. If you have not looked it up, she has an incredible book and tons of stuff on YouTube. Don't believe your thoughts. That's her main message. Don't believe your thoughts when you're thinking stories like, there's something wrong with me. I'm ugly, fat, and old. Everybody else is having more sex than I am. This is my fault, etc., etc. Those stories are not true. They're simply thought patterns that are going through our minds, and they are not true because this is not about you. This is about him. And so if that's happening, it's not your fault. But this is a quite common situation, especially now that I'm in the business of improving the sexual function for women our age. It's not uncommon that we will go home with our revived libido, perhaps we're taking hormones, we're wanting to initiate sex more often, and we're finding that we're met with a back turn to us, which is incredibly painful. It's probably one of the biggest most painful types of rejection that a human being can face. And I will say, especially women. And again, I'm gonna be risking a little bit sexist here, but men are raised, at least they were in my age group, to somewhat expect rejection now and then. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's a cliche that man wants to have sex more than women, so it's not particularly unexpected if a woman denies sex. It's not healthy, we don't want that to happen. But when it happens in reverse, because it's not talked about and it's not culturally normal, although it's incredibly common, so that's nonsense, by the way, we feel a hundred times worse. It's like, this doesn't happen to anybody. How could my husband be rejecting me? If they're supposed to want sex more than me, I'm the only one in the world whose husband doesn't want to have sex with me. There's something wrong with me. Again, those are stories and you are not the only one in the world this is a really common issue, especially since women are taking more control of their sex lives now and finding revived libido after menopause, taking hormone replacement, being more open using toys and other things and really experimenting with sex. 
It's not uncommon that we want to have sex more than they do. So relationships, of course, always work the best when initiation is equal on both sides and it's balanced. Whenever it's not balanced, things go wonky and we need to jump in there and do something about it really quickly before it results in a separation that is not reparable. So my suggestion is talk about it. If you've been in a relationship, if even if it's a new relationship, if you're sexually active with someone, doesn't it make sense that you're close enough to them to have a conversation about sex? And especially if you've been married or partnered with someone for a long time, if sex isn't something that you can talk about, we need to change that. Because why? <laughs> you know, are we listening to our mother's voice in the back of our head saying, you should never talk about sex. It's something we just don't talk about. Because it's the lack of communication that leads to these breakdowns and they can lead to the end of relationships. It's not a small thing. There's countless divorces, affairs, other awful situations that have happened due to lack of communication around the imbalance and desire for sex. And I am telling you that it quite frequently is the male piece of the equation not wanting sex as much as the female, which is something we don't talk about much at all. So just as a review, number one, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's also number two and number three. There is nothing wrong with you. This is his problem, not yours. So do not take it on as your own. It's an opportunity to be compassionate because if he does not want to have sex with you, he is suffering. We don't know what from without some investigation, but if your spouse or partner does not want to have sex with you, he is suffering and suffering deserves compassion. Not a good time to get in a fight about it, this deserves a compassionate, understanding conversation. And we are going to have to take the high road here and probably instigate that conversation because it's quite unlikely that he will. Because he would like to put his hands over his ears and not talk about the fact that he's lost interest, he's afraid he has performance anxiety because he might have erectile dysfunction, he's got a big fat tummy and diabetes and high blood pressure and he doesn't really want to deal with those or he's got some sexual fantasies that he's never shared with you and he just wishes that you would wear a black rubber nightie <laughs> or whatever it is. Hey, just do it. It's not that hard to do and everyone will be happy. And maybe you have some fantasies too that you could share with him. It works both ways. So this is a situation that's potentially reparable if it doesn't go on too long. Because just like anything, we can develop habits if we haven't had sex for weeks and months and years, that becomes a habit. But I want to go back to my book, Sexually Woke, and I'll tell you what I found in my study of women aged 45 to 65 as far as just the common frequency of intercourse, just so you can normalize what you're going through. And I'm going to read a little chapter from the book for you. This is on page 29 if you have the book. Remember, I interviewed a number of women, a large number of women, age 45 to 65, and they answered a survey about sex, and some of the questions were about frequency of sex and what happened. Just over three-fourths of the women surveyed were sexually active with a partner. Of those who were not sexually active, nine out of ten wanted to be. For the sexually active group, only half engaged in sex at least once a week. 
So that means half engaged in sex less than once a week. 30% had sex once every two to four weeks. So kind of once a month. And 20% had sex less than once a month. So if you're having sex less than once a month, you're in a very large group of 20%. Only 6 in 10 always or usually had an orgasm. So that was a choice, always or usually. And that's a lot of numbers to swallow, isn't it? So if 6 out of 10 women always or usually had an orgasm, that means that almost half didn't. So if this is your experience, again, you're not alone. First of all, what does sexually active mean? In the study, we defined it as intimate physical sexual contact, not necessarily vaginal intercourse, because that wasn't the only thing people were doing. So keeping that in mind, since 90% of women in the study were married and or in a relationship, that means that more than 13% of women were not sexually active at all because 76% were sexually active. So 13% is a lot of women who were not sexually active at all, and we define that as being more than a year. So that is a lot of sexless marriages or relationships. So if you know 10 women who are 45 to 65 in a relationship, one or more is not having sex at all, and more than two of them are having sex less than once a month, and almost half are not having an orgasm most of the time. So putting that in perspective, what you're experiencing isn't unusual, weird, strange. It's incredibly common. We just don't talk about it. So I think we agree that we would like to have, or if you're listening to this, you probably agree anyway, that you would like to have a healthy, intimate relationship. And that could range from not having sex at all, because I do have some patients who are truly very comfortable being asexual and in a sexless marriage. But again, nine out of 10 women want to have sex. So if we want to enhance the health of our intimate relationships and we're in a situation where we're not having sex anymore or having sex say less than once a month, Reflect on the things that I mentioned earlier and have a conversation about it. If it's too difficult to do on your own, have it with a urologist if it's an erectile dysfunction issue or with a sex therapist or a psychologist to mediate the conversation or with somebody like me so that we can make it better because we can make it better, whatever that means to you. Uh, if you're happy with it the way it is, that's great. I'm talking to people who are not happy about it. So if you're not happy about it, which is the great majority of women that I've spoken to who want to have sex but their spouse doesn't, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it truly is heartbreaking. And we want you not to be heartbroken. We want to make this better for you. So if you found that helpful, please share it with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe. And please put in some notes below if there are any other topics like this that you want to talk about that are perhaps difficult to talk about or are not talked about very much. And I'd love to answer those. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.